Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. It's been a while, but we're back. This is Derek, regular host of Red Shirts and Runabouts, your Star Trek podcast that went on hiatus for the last, I don't know, two months. Uh, I have with me a returning longtime guest, Ray. Hello. Hi, Ray. How are you? I'm good. How are yeah, you? I'm good. There's lots of stuff to talk about. Yeah. Are you ready to board the Enterprise? Well, is it the Enterprise? I mean, like most of the stuff we're going to be talking about, you know, kind of varies a little bit today You're definitely right but uh yeah so we're, we're back we have lots to talk about here so let's let's start let's kick things off so today we're going to be talking about the two trailers that dropped during new york's uh, new york comic-con which mm-hmm. is the star trek picard trailer and the star trek discovery season three trailer and then we will also be reviewing short trek season two episode one q a um, we also reviewed all the other short tracks, so you can find those out there and we're going to review this one and we're going to talk about some news up front and things like that too, before we get into spoilers for short tracks. So we will warn you, um, anyway, so here's the plan moving forward. Um, Greg will still be back. He still wants to to talk Trek with me and us and all that good stuff. So I think he'll be returning closer to the premiere of Star Trek Picard, which we now know is Thursday, January 23rd, 2020. The show will uh, premiere every Thursday for 10 straight weeks, as far as we know. And that will be that. So that puts us just a few, you know, 15, 16 weeks out, depending on how you want to count it. And so here's the plan. Ray and I will go ahead and review all five short treks episodes that are set to premiere um, between now and the Picard show. So that's going to include Q and a, which premiered um, over uh, the weekend. That was on Saturday. Yes. Yeah. Saturday that came out at New York city comic-con. So um, we'll be talking about that for sure. And then we're also going to review the rest of them. Um, I'm just going to pull up real quick. The, the, the episodes that we have, the release dates are kind of confusing. So um, Short Treks uh, Season 2 Episode 1 Q&A is available now. You can stream that on CBS All Access um, if you have that in your region. Then then we will have Thursday, October 10th, which is this week, actually, The Trouble with Edward. Thursday, November 14th will be Ask Not. Thursday, December 12th will be uh, a double header, 
which is the girl who made the stars and Ephraim and dot. Both of those episodes are animated, which is interesting. Um, they do tie into discovery though. We're told in unique ways. And then there's one more in January, Thursday, January 9th, uh, which uh, is called children of Mars. So those are the short treks episodes. And when those come out, so we will be reviewing all of those. And then in the meantime, in between those, we are going to continue the prepping for Picard series that Ray and I kicked off before the show went on hiatus. So quick recap on that. If you go out to heroespodcast.com and look under our article sections or look up, you know, quintessential Picard, you'll see an article that has 20, the top 20 quintessential Picard episodes listed. It's a list I put together and Ray and I discussed it on an episode. We were going to review each one of those leading up to Picard. Um, at the time I made the list, we knew next to nothing about the show. So there's a couple episodes that are not on there, like Iborg, that are probably more relevant than I thought um, with Hugh returning on the show. And what we've decided to do, we've only reviewed two episodes so far, and that was Farpoint, uh, Encounter at Farpoint, excuse me, and Conspiracy. So what we're going to do at this point is we are going to spend one episode of Red Shirts and Runabouts discussing all of the episodes on my list from a given season. So some are going to be a little more intense than others because there's more from some seasons than from other seasons. And there are some two-parters that are cliffhangers that span seasons, and we'll, we'll pull those either forward or push them back um, an episode depending on how we want to balance things. But the list is pretty uh, extensive. You can go um, check that out if you would like on our website. I'll put the link in the show notes as well if you'd like to check that out. So that's what we're going to be doing in the meantime. And that will basically get us ready for Picard when all is said and done. We may sprinkle in a couple other pieces of content as well, depending on, you know, how things go and, and that kind of thing. Sounds good. You ready for that, Ray? I am. Let's do Get it. On board. I'm yeah. I mean, you don't have a choice. It's it's already happened. I know. So. It was actually part of our marriage clause when <laughs> we got married. Yes, we have a marriage clause. Yes, he does allow me to go outside. Only after you've watched your Star Trek. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So um, let's kick things off. Let's first talk about the Star Trek Picard trailer. Yes, please. That we got. Uh, this is our first full trailer. We had a shorter teaser. Um, but this is our first one that really shows the the kind of meat of the story. Right. What are your initial thoughts? The trailer it has me very interested. It loses me in a couple spots, but most of it is very well done. And they showed you, it, well, for me, I feel like they showed me enough to get me invested but also kept the majority of the story locked. I don't believe we saw any like real spoilers, just a few introductions. I think that's fair. Um, it's definitely a, a different look. We get to see there's some some big kind of notes in here. So first, um, we'll just get it out of the way right now. We do get to see Will and Troy. Yeah, it's wonderful. They do show up. Um, there's a lot of memes going around about cooking with Riker because uh, he's wearing an apron and everything and it's adorable. And yes, there are some connections to the finale of Enterprise where he plays chef. Um, but there's some really nice moments in the trailer, specifically mm -hmm. when they're on the dock at the lake, you know, and and all of that. It's really sweet. I, I took one photo where they're looking at each other. It's my cover photo now on Facebook and Twitter. 
because it's wonderful. Yeah. Like Jonathan Frakes and Patrick Stewart have maintained a good friendship and they have a great working relationship and that translates to their characters very well. So it was nice. You can tell that whatever episode they're in, it's probably just a one, maybe two kind of thing. Yeah. They're living a very happy family life. They have a child who sounds like they're about anywhere from 10 to 14. Like, doesn't sound too old. So they're not going to travel the skies. They're <laughs> there to ground Picard. So if he visits them at the beginning, he, maybe he'll visit them at the end. But... You know, you can tell they're not a vital, important part to the story. They're they're there to give him the push that he needs. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I do think we I will be surprised to see them in more than one episode outside of maybe like a transmission like phone call, sure. essentially. Right. Um, like, you know, Janeway and Nemesis or something yeah, like that. Absolutely. Um, so I think that's a good point. I'm, I'm definitely with you there. Um, we do get to see a little bit more of data. So yes. in the teaser, it looks like, you know, data is like, I don't know, locked away somewhere or in her, you know, Dismantled room or something. Or something. Well, there's that. Yeah. yeah they, they do show yeah. him in the drawer, but there's where Picard says he doesn't want the game to end. Yes. And Dana's I, like, I, I can correct, see that captain. Yeah. And people were kind of in a big uproar about like, why is he calling him captain? And you know, why, you know, why is he in the wrong uniform and different things like that? And so we get another look at what this is. And it's it's data in his TNG uh, show era uniform, um, and he's painting, which is something he did a lot on the show. It was one of his his character points is his paintings. Um, and Picard walks up to him also in his TNG show era uniform as a captain. Um, and so it's definitely a dream sequence of some kind. Um, maybe not a vision, maybe just a dream. It doesn't appear to be a, a holodeck program like we were guessing. Yeah. It's very interesting that the way they edited it, yes, it it does look entirely like a dream because the very next scene, it's like cuts a black. He wakes up and his dog is there to greet him. So there's that. And that could just be misplaced editing. You know, it could just be trickery. We've seen that happen many times before. However, I want to focus a bit more on the actual painting because I feel like a lone person standing in the middle of some waves is probably more symbolic than the conversation they're about to have. I think you're right. Um, I think one of the the key pieces is I think that character is supposed to be whoever uh, Issa is, whatever her character is, the one that comes to him for help. Um, You know, I don't really I don't really know anything about her yet. I was going to look on IMDb and, and grab her character name because I um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. It's like Dodge D-A-H-J. That's Dodge, how I would say it. I think. Um, but, you know, she's on the run, right? She's coming to him on the, the mm-hmm. Picard vineyard for help. And I mean, it certainly looks like that's who's in that painting, you know, now maybe. You know, I'm assuming he probably has that dream before she shows up and her showing up is very, very prophetic. So do you think that Picard, we're going to see somebody who has developed uh, PTSD or maybe even a form of schizophrenia that came from PTSD? Like it's no longer maybe he worked through something and now it's become something else entirely. Or do you think it's all prophecy? Well, okay. There's certainly uh, different things that they can play around with here. Um, he in the show, 
he has what's called uh, Uromotic Syndrome in All Good Things, which is the finale for TNG. And okay. that's the, for those who've never seen the finale of TNG, spoil alerts, I'm sorry. The episode takes place in three different time periods. The future time period is literally the same year the Picard show is now going to take place. Right. Okay. It's real time, so to speak, for those characters. And in the future, his syndrome has gotten kind of not great. It's pretty bad. And so people are having a hard time believing what he's saying. Um, and even in the present day version, um, it's it's Crusher determines he does have the markers for that syndrome and it may become an issue at some point. So they may steer into that. That may be part of Picard's character at this point. They may drop it completely because Crusher does say it may never really show itself. Right. Um, it's a possibility that it'll never impact him or it could impact him severely. Like um, real life diseases. Right. Yes. And so, um, you know, they might be playing into that from a fan perspective that we know that that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I mean, I'm not sure what percentage of the Star Trek po- uh, fan population remembers that or not, because it's it's kind of at the tail end of the show and it's not right. really talked about in the movies. Um, but I think in this case, it's coming off more like some type of telepathic vision of some kind. Okay. Um, you know, there's there's Romulans involved and they have some telepathic abilities as do the Vulcans that they're related to. This is also in the future, so we don't know who else might be involved in these types of things. Um, you know, but it certainly seems like he's going to have a vision of this woman and then almost immediately she's going to show up asking him for help. Um, I think that's how they're going to play that out. Well, I would definitely be up for that for sure. And how the three scenes that we've seen Data in now don't make any sense when put together. So I'm actually really interested in that, how they puzzle him together. Because so far they've given us three very disjointed pieces and I can't make what it's going to be out yet. So I I like when I can't really predict That's fair. shows. That's fair. So. Um, there's a few other things in the, in the trailer that are noteworthy. We do get to see what appears to be a very old Romulan warbird. Um, it could just be a new one and they, they like the old design and it's got a retro, uh, design that the Romulans have put out, but it's important to note that Romulus was destroyed. You know, they're following what happens in the events of Star Trek 2009, the movie, the future that Spock comes back from that future happens in Picard's timeline that Romulus is destroyed. Um, and then that's going to play a big role in this story. They've already confirmed that, that Picard uh, uh, led the, the fleet efforts to help. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't read it, there was an in-between prequel comic kind of thing to the 2009 story. And um, I, I read it. It was brilliant. It was so well done. So get quick one-off kind of thing. The mm-hmm. trade is pretty cheap, too. So. You have no excuses. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, the Romulan Empire may not be in great shape. Their home world was destroyed. And mm-hmm. so they may be using older ships because they just don't have the resources. I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, but it was cool to see that. That's a design I have not, you know, the Star Trek has not shown in, in a while. What do you think about the introductory shots that were done? Of what looks like our current cast and crew? What do you mean? Okay, so the introductory shots, like they panned and showed a few new characters, three, four maybe, that we've never seen before with Trek, and they look like they're going to be the ones on the ship with Picard. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I can't help but notice a huge similarity between the guy piloting that they keep cutting to with a cigar and the Poe Dameron Han Solo vibe he's given off. <laughs> like, That's it, fair. It, it, I mean, uh, I can't be. I'm not wrong. Am I like you? He has that similar vibe. No, I, I think you're right. I, I didn't really think about it, but now that you mention it, yeah, I mean, that's definitely, they're kind of going for a rogue thing here a little bit. And I totally got the whole ragtag group of people willing to follow Picard for their own various reasons. So I'm. Yeah, I mean, so the, the, sh- the show appears to have some tones very similar to uh, Star Trek Renegades, which right. is a fan film uh, that was done by a lot of Star Trek actors. Actually, it's it's a bunch of Star Trek actors are in that uh, with Walter Koenig and Tim Russ kind of leading the, the charge on the production of it. And, um, you know, budget was pretty small. Special effects aren't great, but it's a fun story. So if you haven't seen it, I do suggest it. Some fans are not thrilled that the Picard show looks a lot like Renegades. They're thinking maybe they stole some of the ideas. We'll have to see. CBS um, does like their content. I'm not saying that they stole, they plagiarize, but they do like to guard it. So if they recognize good stuff out there, they might lift it just to be jerks. We've seen big companies take smaller people stuff many times. Maybe I, I'd like to think that the people involved in writing and making the show like Patrick Stewart and Kirsten Beyer, that they're not the types of people that would purposefully do that. I agree. Um, so I think it may be a coincidence. It could be. I mean, there's only so much you can do with the stuff that you have. And, you know, it, it it's not limitless. You have limitations. There are boxes to work with. Sure. And so, you know, it's we've seen it before that two people can come up with the exact same idea. Oh yeah. And I, this is just, it's starting to look like a pattern for some people because discovery, the first two seasons of discovery take place really close to the time that the Axanar fan production was going to take place. Um, And there's a lot of controversy around Axanar and the fan film rules that were put out by CBS Mm -hmm. and all that type of stuff. I'm not going to get into it. Um, But when you, start putting things together it starts appearing more like a pattern again i i don't know right but there's so many people involved between the two productions that maybe somebody took an idea and other people didn't know or maybe it's a coincidence or maybe the whole thing's a conspiracy i mean i I have no idea but so you were saying uh, were those two characters they were romulan they weren't vulcans or um so yes they're supposed to be at least one of them is supposed to be Romulan. And that so that guy, he was fencing or practicing a martial art of some kind. There correct? was fencing. There yeah. is a shot where Picard fences, which um, is really fun because Picard fences on the show. Yes. Um, so that's a great callback. Um, but you know, a lot of those shots move really quick. It's hard to kind of keep track of everybody. I know. Um, We've so. watched it twice now and it, a lot of it's still blending. Like, yeah. I, I see... I'm remembering Jerry Ryan crying over what appears to be a body. There's a lot of speculation about that scene. Right, right. I'm not going to speculate because I don't have enough background information, but there that's her one mm-hmm. out of two scenes in this this trailer. And her second one is her like firing guns, one in each hand, like <laughs> dual wielding phaser I rifles. I love it. <laughs> and uh, saying that she's gonna help out whoever is in need. 
Yeah. Um, so she's crying over a body. It appears like that body may have been a Borg at one point, like a liberated Borg, which if true could be one of two canon characters, um, Voyager's Echeb or Hugh or Hugh. Um, it of course could be somebody completely new that we don't know. It could oh, of be course. Somebody we do know that we didn't know ended up being assimilated at some point. It could not be a Borg. I mean, there's a lot of things that we don't know, but people are really wondering who it is. And a lot the camps seem to be each or Hugh. Um, I think Hugh is a fair guess. Well, because the actor's back in the show. He like, is in the show. Yeah. He's credited. Um, yeah. And that's a big deal to bring back a character like that, that people really liked. I mean, I Borg, for example, is a very popular uh, episode among the fans. So to bring him back is, it seems very uh, purposeful. Oh, sure. You know? Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Jerry Ryan, seven of nine, uh, Annika Hansen, whatever she wants to call herself in the Picard show uh she's she's taking the the humanity thing well at this point in her life you mm-hmm. know we saw a lot of struggles of that on Voyager but now she's been human again for 30 years so you know not I, I guess not 30 years well a while about. maybe it is about 30 years um when you consider Voyager's end in 2001 um but uh, she's a young millennial <laughs> Um, all right. So anything else on the Picard trailer that you want to point out before we move on? No, no, nothing. Okay. No. Um, one little nugget I'm going to throw out there. If you didn't notice in the first trailer and you didn't notice in this one either, the uh, Starfleet headquarters is the Anaheim Convention Center where they hold conventions like WonderCon and BlizzCon and things like that. So uh, if it looks familiar, that's why it's basically across the street from Disneyland. <laughs> so um, that's that is actually the only location that's like a private building that I've ever all been in that's had like a, a production filmed in that I'm aware of, which that's is pretty, pretty cool. Other than like historic monuments yes, stuff, of course. you know, so that's kind of neat. But uh, anyway, you want to move on to the discovery trailer. Let's do it. There's a lot of little things in this one too. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So spoilers for discovery. If you haven't caught up on discovery season one and two, the, the, the third trailer, this, the season three trailer is going to confuse you. Um, so spoiler alerts for that. We left our crew um, being hurtled 930 years into the future. So this is currently the most into the future yes. series that we have at this time. Uh, it is the farthest that they've ever jumped ever. The previous record was an a- episode of uh, Enterprise where Archer gets thrown onto the Enterprise J. Um, and that was, uh, that's a very brief thing and you get to see one shot of the ship um and that's it so this is definitely the farthest into the future they've ever been right um so yeah i mean it's gonna focus heavily on burnham and the discovery crew trying to find each other right so the trailer shows a bleak future at least for the federation everybody looks uh, the design looks more apocalyptic or nomadic and it does imply that weather conditions are rough because everybody seems to be wearing long pants, long jackets, gloves. They have, you know, p- most of their body covered. So that, that kind of suggests either um, rough winds and cold or uh, at least just environmental needs to always have your body protected. Yeah, we don't know what planet that is. Um, we do have confirmation that they're going to go to multiple worlds. Mm-hmm. We will go to Trill. 
um, which is cool. And I think we see that in the trailer. There's some shots of trill people. And they're wearing like these really cool red togas. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's a good thing or not. The connotation seemed like maybe they're being held captive or something. Um, And then there's a shot of someone in what appears to be one of the symbiote pools. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'll be curious to see what that's about. There's, of course, people who would like the Dax symbiote to show up. Um, I forget how long symbiotes can live. I don't think it's a thousand years. Um, But I could be wrong. We can look into that. You know? Um, as cool as it would be to see Dax, it's not going to be Jedzia. It's not no. going to be Esri. So, you know, it, it could be something completely different. And you may not like this person. <laughs> like, just because they're they're housing Dax doesn't mean you're going to like them. Right. So. Um, but the kind of the key takeaways that from this trailer are really because it's a short it's a short teaser. Um, the Federation's not doing so hot. It still exists. But there's a big moment where they show the flag, the Federation flag. And for those who may not remember what it looks like, you should look up what what it is like, quote, today, so to speak, because it's this different. one's missing a lot of stars. Yeah. Um, you know, there's it's, it seems to be missing one of the founding member stars, which are the larger stars, which if I'm going to guess based off of the trailer content. Is it Andorian? I think it's Andoria. Yeah, I think Andoria uh, left the Federation. Um, they were always a little more contentious in, in Federation history and are very technologically advanced, intelligent, and powerful. If someone was going to stand on their own, they would be a group that could do it. So the Andorians are uh, one of my favorite aliens on Star Trek. And throughout the later stuff, like with the exception of Enterprise, of course, I, I've been constantly like, where the hell are the Andorians? Like, why are they yeah. omitted from everything? Now, I understand that TNG really wanted to get away from what TOS did, but really there's no excuse for DS9 or Voyager. They like, I mean, maybe Voyager has a bit of an excuse with being out in the Gamma Quadrant. But I mean, there could have been one Andorian crew member. You know, there's a Bolian right? on Voyager. Um, I mean, DS9 doesn't really have any excuse. They're, they're space station for most of the series. Yeah. Like, you would have seen something. So I'm finally happy to see this again. And it looks like they're going to be antagonists at the best and maybe even villains at the worst, which kind of bums me out. But... Well, it's, it seems like some of the major factions may have broken off and formed a separate alliance similar to one that we see in the Mirror Universe during the DS9 era. So, you know, it looks like maybe the Cardassians, the Andorians, Morn species, uh, and even the Breen have, have teamed up against... Who are the Breen? Um, so you don't get to see them too much. Okay. They, um, have to wear helmets cause their environment is very extreme Okay. and they can't survive in our environment. Um, I'll show you a picture, but it certainly looks like they were kind of ripped off of a particular star Wars character. Um, okay. there's some, there's some very strong similarities. I'm not going to lie. Um, but they're a, uh, a force during the Dominion War, okay. Uh, for example, so they're they're around for sure, and they have a lot of their own um, technology and advanced abilities. So, I think my problem is that I've seen almost multiple times the first like two seasons of all the Star Trek shows, <laughs> but can't really seem to get past any of the rest because, like. Y- 
you want to watch the shows, but you tend to switch when you hit that mark and you're like, oh, I'm going to start watching this one instead. And <laughs> Well, you know, we'll just have to do like a real rewatch of of some of these, you know, I'll just have to, we'll just have to do it. You owe me a Buffy and Angel one. You know that, right? <laughs> um, okay. So uh, other things in the trailer. So yeah, so the Federation's obviously in a tight spot. Burn them up. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Of course, there's some key to this, which uh, I hope is explained better than the trailer explains it. I um, dislike that, by the way. I dislike that in every single season, she's a special savior. There's something about her existence that makes her this special savior. This is the third season they're going with that. And don't get me wrong. She is a skilled officer. She is very important. She is integral to the discovery. She has proven that time and time again just with her skills and knowledge. But this whole, like, destined savior kind of crap, I, I'm over it. Yeah. I'm over it. You've already proven to me how special Burnham is. You don't need to prove it to me again. My hope is that she, that he he means the royal you and he means the Discovery crew is the key because they are bringing with them the old methodologies, the old passion for what the Federation was supposed to stand for and that type of fresh blood to reinvigorate the meaning behind Starfleet and the Federation. I think I'm hoping that's what the guy meant. I would like that. I would much rather prefer that. Do you think the Calypso short track is going to tie in? I think eventually it has to, right? So if you didn't watch the short tracks episode Calypso, um, spoilers for that. But basically there's a character named Kraft. Uh, Kraft stumbles upon an abandoned discovery where the computer system has become a fully formed AI. And the computer tells him that the ship's been basically left adrift in this nebula for a thousand years. Um, that's confusing and complicated given the timeline. So I'm not really sure, but I feel like something has to explain things. And I, it may be as simple as the crew somehow gets sent back in a different vessel mm -hmm. and the discovery gets left in the future, maybe to help erase the existence of the spore drive. Um, at New York Comic Con, there were a lot of interviews and panels and things like that. And it was confirmed that they can still use the spore drive, that the spore drive isn't what was damaging the network. It was Culber's existence in the network that was causing the damage. Okay. And so they wrote themselves out of that. They can continue to use the, the, the spore drive. So I'm sure we'll see that. There's rumors, you know, from, from these conversations, you know, that there may be species that want the spore drive because even a thousand years in the future, it's still a very valuable piece of technology. Right. Um, things like that. So I don't know. I, I hope that they explain Calypso because the rest of the short treks all exist into the, in with the stories and make sense. So the cool thing about Calypso, the way it works as a story is all the others connected. They were extra puzzle pieces. They were supplementary material. And I love that. First and foremost, not enough people do that with their content. But Calypso stood out to me as a very important just 
piece of fiction. And at the time, I thought it was the least important out of all of them. I thought it was the least interesting. However, that's the one that stuck with me the most. Just recalling it back, I I find myself connected to this quasi love story in it. I find myself, you know, sympathizing with the loneliness and the existentialism that goes behind it. So I keep going, my memory keeps going back to that. And if we touch on it again, I don't know if that would ruin it for me or make it better. But I I gotta say, like, just a year later, I'm impressed. Well, I liked it a lot. But I mean, in order for it to make coherent sense, they have to abandon the discovery at some point. Correct. For it to be found. Um, So even if it's as simple as them just abandoning it in the nebula, that's all we ever know. That's fine. Um, But yeah, so other stuff. You know, the crew, of course, the Discovery, they're in the future as well. They try and find Burnham. Um, we have our our core, you know, mm-hmm. Burnham and uh, Stamets and Culber and Tilly and Saru, Saru and Giorgio. And, Giorgio. Mm-hmm. and, you know, we see some more of the people who have so far been background, but they're still bridge crew, like the two mm-hmm. helmsmen. Yep, and there's talk that we'll be able to see more from them mm-hmm. in this season. I'm really excited about seeing more of the bridge crew. I wish we would have gotten that with the, um, I'm forgetting her name, the one they killed off last year, and it just like they killed her off right as she was getting character. Oh, non, the yeah. security officer, non. No, no, uh, the she wasn't an android. But not she, not an android. I'm talking right. about. She had the breathing. No, thing. I'm talking about. Uh, her name started with an A. Oh, you're talking about the android. Yeah, Arium. She, she's not an android though. Like she had. She was a human who had cybernetic implants after a while. Like the the one with the memories yeah, and everything. Arium, yeah, Arium. I, yeah. That's who I'm talking about. Okay. She just wasn't an android. Like that's sorry, what, sorry. Yes. Yes. Arium. Yes. Okay. Yes, I'm sad that like we don't get more stories with her. Gotcha. Going forward, because yeah, that's I, a big loss. I really hate when they start giving a character characterization and then they just kill, to them. kill them off. Yeah. yeah, because they have to make you care about them first. Yep, and we talked all about that last yeah, season. We did. Um, okay, so is there anything else in the trailer you want to touch on before we move to the short tracks? Burnham has amazing hair all throughout the entire thing. Yes, yeah, Nico Martin Green. Yeah. She's a very beautiful woman. She and is. Her hair looks amazing. Yeah, it's really thing. cool. My, I think my favorite look for her that I saw in the trailer is there's a, there's a part where she's in her like her ship at like a mm-hmm. chair it's and very... it moves through three different like time frames. It's the third time. You frame. like the braids? I thought it looked really cool. And the braids look so, amazing. Yeah. But uh, okay. Um, well, then let's, let's talk about the short track. Well, just, uh, fi- final bits of news to kind of uh, bring out of mm. New York City Comic Con, and then we'll we'll take a break um, and then come back for the short tracks. Um, the Lower Deck show confirmed for two seasons, as is the Nickelodeon animated Star Trek show that is still untitled. Uh, that show is a ways off. They said maybe not even 2021. Um, that show, the Nickelodeon show, is going to be CGI animation very similar you know kind of like uh, the, ninja, the the ninja turtle show or troll hunter or something like that so it's taking longer to render that animation so that shows a ways off 
Um, but uh, the Lower Deck show should you know will be premiering in 2020. Mm-hmm. So that's happening. Um, and then other key, kind of key pieces of information is that they are already working on season two of Picard. That wow. was confirmed in an interview with Trek Corps, which is kind of a big deal. Um, most of us thought this was probably going to be a one and done situation, even though there had been talks about, you know, oh, we'll be open to it kind of thing. I guess they're actively working on the second season, which is pretty neat. Um, so that's something to kind of keep in mind. And Alex Kurtzman said that they have they basically have stuff planned for the next five years on television for Star Trek. Great. So we'll be watching. Yes, absolutely. Um, Okay, so we're going to take a short break and then we'll come back to talk about Short Treks Q&A. Hello, everyone. This is Ray from the Heroes Podcast Network. Currently, you've probably heard me on a show called Screen Heroes, where we discuss movies and uh, TV shows about superhero, sci-fi, and a little bit of fantasy. Well, I love fantasy so much, I am starting a brand new podcast about fantasy television series. We are going to review these series in a bit more detail than what Screen Heroes usually does. We'll discuss multiple episodes for a whole continuous arc and then move on to another series. Spellbound will review shows, new shows like The Witcher, Good Omens, Carnival Row, and Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. We're also going to look back at previous shows such as American Gods and Avatar The Last Airbender, old miniseries from the 90s like Leprechauns and the Tenth Kingdom, and we're going to do a movie here and there, maybe even a little bit of fantasy upcoming news. Who knows? You'll be able to follow Spellbound at SpellboundCast on Twitter for the latest fantasy news about the show, about the upcoming shows that we'll be discussing. You can also listen to us Fridays coming in September. All right, so let's do this. Short Treks episode Q&A, the opener for season two of Short Treks. Uh, this is your spoiler warning for it. At this point, we'll start talking about the content of the episode so ray initial impressions on q a it's a damn shame we don't have a full show with these characters because ethan peck and rebecca romaine who was featured the least in uh season two of discovery have great chemistry together just on screen back and forth was wonderful and then also the two characters seem to be developing a small flirtation or at least like a common ground so that so it wasn't just me then okay no. and then of course we get a very brief glimpse at Anson Mount's Pike again and I, I said it last season I'll say it this season I will follow that man into Helen back like that based on all the content I've seen he is my favorite captain so far so i i it's just a shame that we don't have a full show with them yeah i think that that's really fair i think that the more the more i see these characters the more i see the enterprise the bridge set how they've made number one a f- like our actual real character now and not just from the pilot of the cage. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I can't imagine that we're not going to see them on a show. It just seems like such a missed opportunity to, to just let that kind of go by. And um, 
their their chemistry is great it's a wonderful so the, the the basis of the episode is spock comes on board the enterprise for the first time ever and, you know and he's introduced to number one and he is an ensign and they get stuck in an el- in a turbo lift um which she actually calls an elevator mm-hmm. uh which i thought was interesting she says no one talks in elevators and i thought that was interesting um that they called it an elevator but um yeah i mean they they are asking questions back and forth a well, lot of it is very technical trek no babble she specifically says that he's being too quiet for a science officer and that she expects all of her science officers to ask as many questions as they possibly can until she finds them annoying and so he does he starts and he continues in the turbo lift and she saves one question for him she asks him if he was smiling when he boarded the Mm -hmm. ship and she says that not only because he's Vulcan, but because he's a science officer on looking to do command, he should keep that shit to himself. <laughs> keep, keep your freak to yourself, yes. I think is how she keep put it. Keep your freak to yourself. Um, and I love that because he is smiling when he comes on board. And, uh, you know, we see him smile on Discovery a little bit as well, because this is not the Spock we remember from the movies. This is the Spock from the cage who smiles and laughs in the cage at some flowers that are singing, right? This is a different person. And um, the fact that he's smirking when he comes on board his new ship uh, is, I think, very telling about the character. And the fact that as an ensign, he already has command aspirations and she calls him out on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Just based off of the courses he took, I think also shows where her head is too. She wants her own command as well, right? Because she took the same courses. Yep. And as a human, you know, he's at least half Vulcan, you know, <laughs> um, and that kind of thing. Um, then, of course, she she shows what her freak is. Right. So that's the most interesting part about this whole thing, I feel like, is out of nowhere, she bursts into song and starts like walking around him in just little circles, which... I got to say, it was a little dizzying for the rest of the episode. Yeah, like the camera is spinning. And even when they leave the turbo lift and get on the bridge, it's still spinning around. So it was like that to me. It it was a little much. They but, you know, that's fair. I guess it didn't really bother me. I thought it was really unique that. I mean, this is a 14 and a half minute episode and really almost all of it is on a turbo lift. Yes. Um, I, I do love bottle episode kind of situations. I'm I, a sucker for that. It's, it forces the writers to get creative and actually show characters. Mm-hmm. And of course, most of the time it's done to save money on sets or characters or props or whatever CGI. But it can also be incredibly worth it. Some of the best episodes in TV history are bottle episodes. And some of my favorite Star Trek episodes are bottle episodes. Yes. You know, so I definitely look forward to that. Um, So I think probably my favorite part, one of my favorite parts of the episode is when Spock finally asks her a question. And it's, what are the three most salient facts about Captain Pike? And I thought that was a really cool question, right? And so uh, number one responds with, one, his capacity for hearing out another point of view is exceeded only by his willingness to change his own once he's heard you out. 
And that's the first part, of course. And I love that. I really do, because it shows who Pike is in season two of Discovery. It absolutely does. Everything about it. He heard every single person out Mm -hmm. and he would change his mind. You know, he knew he was coming into a, a different crew, a different ship, a different mission, and he needed their trust. They needed his trust. And there was a back and forth. There was a compromise. It wasn't his way or the highway. And he also didn't let them walk over him either. Um, and then the next part of the quote is, two, even though he is the most heavily decorated fighting captain in Starfleet, he views resorting to force as an admission of failure. Yep. And... If that is not like the mission statement of Starfleet, you know, at the end of the day, I don't I don't know what is right. It's about diplomacy. It's about exploring you know, strange new worlds and seeking out that new life. It's not about conquering it. That's what the Klingon Empire and the Romulan Empires are for. We're about exploration and diplomacy. And even though he will he can take on Klingons and he can win in battles uh, and he's apparently very damn good at it. That's not what he wants to do. And that's pretty cool. Um, and then finally, she she adds um, and three, he is utterly unsentimental, except when it comes to horses, which I thought was a great little callback to the cage where there's a horse in one of the uh, hallucina- hallucinations. Yep. Um, so. You know, uh, it's it's really cool. It shows that she understands him very well. Spock even makes a comment about that, maybe implying that there she's got a thing for him. I don't know. Maybe she just admires him a lot as as the captain. I don't think she has a thing for the captain. You don't like, think so? I mean, it, Captain Pike and Anson Mount are very attractive men. However, I think that. We got the best characterization of her in number one or Una has wanted to be number one at everything her entire life. That's true. And I think by picking the modern major general song for her to sing, it it wasn't just the song. Like, yeah, they used it in TNG before. So it was a callback to that. But every lyric that came out of her mouth I completely and 100% believe that she is capable of, that she knows these facts that she is rattling off. You know, I like for a second there, I forgot that it was a real song and I thought she was singing her resume almost like because <laughs> it just everything about what she already said that like she's taken modern day algorithms and she has changed them to her own and now like the replicator uses the una method Mm -hmm. and when he says oh so your name's una she's like my name's number one (laughs) you know like she doesn't want anything to come between her and success and what she's always wanted so you know while nowadays we see a ton of female characters that overcompensate because they've been told their whole lives they can't do this or they have to do this if they're not you know 10 times better than their male peers they won't even get noticed in this world we're supposed to believe that there's gender equality so somebody like that wants to be good for the sake of being good for Mm -hmm. being best they're not in competition with the rest of the world they're in competition with themselves because they know they can be better that's fair and i mean she she is you know she is the first officer on the enterprise which 
you know, according to Admiral Cornwall's like the ship, the important ship, they were left out of the war because if they lost, if the Federation lost to the Klingons, they wanted the Enterprise to survive. Like that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because of Pike and his crew. Yeah. Because they stood for the best. Right. Um, and I like that. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, did you notice that the engineer had a Scottish accent? I did. I don't, like, I don't have a problem with it, of course, but it seemed a little cheesy. Yeah. It's like, or is that just an engineer thing? Like Scottish people just tend to be engineers. I don't know. That's a weird, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a weird stereotype. Out of all the racial stereotypes in the world, it's not a bad one. It's a, like, weird, it's a weird stereotype, um, but it was funny. You know, um, I liked how uh, number one kept cutting her off and kept shutting the radio off. because She was just sick of listening. Yes. Um, I thought that was pretty funny. But um, I mean, there's some great moments like when she asked Spock to give her a boost so she can get up and try and fix the thing. Get on your knees. (laughs) It's just funny because he's going to like pick her, like hug her and pick her up. Um, You know, but there's there's some good moments there. And of course, you end up back on the bridge, which is beautiful. It's my it's just a beautiful set i love that bridge set and pike is there and anson mount is like right in character ready to go and it's a great it moment. does disappoint me that he says do vulcans feel awe like the fact that they s- vulcans and humans have been cohabitating for years now and they still don't understand their range of emotion and what like they they can and can't feel like that's just so weird well okay so there in star trek over the years there's this back and forth about whether or not vulcans have emotion at all right and you know enterprise really solidified the fact that yeah no they have all the emotions that we have even more intensely than we do they just control all of them so there's still all these misconceptions from people about what a vulcan can and cannot feel or will and will not feel you know and i think I I loved that about Enterprise. So I love the fact that these people feel to such extremes that they need to control it at all times because otherwise they could go to, you know, the id super easily. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. And, you know, I, I think it was just Pike making small talk with his new ensign kind of thing and trying to like so do you is this impacting you the way it's impacting me kind of conversation yeah you know um and you know like like we've i've said before this is a different spock than the one most of us remember is he's much younger and he's not as controlled and so he is more emotional anyway it's just weird for me because if we'd say that with anybody on earth like discovery and tos treat vulcans in a way that it makes it okay for them to be racist for some reason like that's always been a problem right, right? Like, like all the insults that bones gives to spock are, are all always pretty racist always racist um, so like if he were like do whites feel awe like <laughs> it would just come out poorly so that's it i just i get what he was trying to do and i love pike so much but it was a poorly written line and i think they could have done better that's all okay i don't want to end on that sour note (laughs) thanks for that suck it um but i mean number one does flash him a really cute smile and that i think was the most flirtatious thing ever because she even told him to keep that shit to himself yeah and there she goes showing him a smile so that i thought was that's 
where I was like, well, that's flirtation. Okay. Anything else could have just been like a bonding moment because they're stuck in a turbo lift. And but that was flirtation. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, they definitely seem to have a strong connection. They have a lot of respect for each other. They're both highly intelligent. You know, they excel at what they do. Um, and I think that that's really important. And they probably become really great friends and, and you know, co-workers, you know, fellow officers, that kind of thing. Um, is there anything else from this episode that you want to cover? We've been talking about it for longer than the episode, but I guess we did that for the trailers. Too, so. <laughs> no, I'm good. Okay. Um, all right. Well then I think we'll wrap things up with that. I, I guess, I mean, did you like it? Like I did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Me too. I, I loved it. I want to see more yeah. from the enterprise crew. I want to see more uh, of Una, who I guess we should probably say is like straight up confirmed in at the end of discovery season two. It was it kind is of her like, last name. It is her last name. Um, but in discovery season two, it was a little unclear how that line came across. Some people thought maybe it was like a translation problem or misheard, but now it's like, you see it on the pad. It's Lieutenant commander Una. And, um, we still don't have a first name, which means it still could be Majel, uh, or well, something like that. Well, it took like 40 years for Ahura to get a first name, so <laughs> we'll work on it. Um, I'm still holding out that it's Majel. Majel I, Una doesn't sound good. I don't care. It should, okay. still, it should still be Majel. Okay. Um, I'm good with it. Anyway, uh, that's going to be it then for us. We will be back next week. We are moving to Tuesdays. We'll be releasing on Tuesdays every week. Um, so we will be back next week on Tuesday to review our next Prepping for Picard episodes. So please check out my top 20 quintessential Picards for links for all of that stuff in the full list of episodes. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, thank you for sticking with us during our little hiatus. We are glad to be back. Ray, thank you for joining us again. You're very welcome. Um, if people would like to reach out and talk to you... How might they be able to do that? At Siren Ray on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's S-I-R-Y-N-R-A-E. Like the X-Man Siren. Cool. Um, And me, I am the Star Trek dude. Please don't hesitate to come talk to me. I talk about Trek, of course, but I'm also a total nerd, comic book nerd, and gamer, and all those types of things. So come say hi. You can catch both of us on Screen Heroes here on the Heroes Podcast Network, our movie podcast where we review and rank and do different things with films. We have a new segment called bad movie reviews where we pick movies that are just fantastic, like masters of the universe and super Mario brothers. And we're going to be reviewing those types of films as well. In addition to things like Joker and zombie land two and ranking the top MCU villains. What have you? That was wonderful. Thank you. It's a nice little pitch for our show. Thank you. All right. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye guys. Listen to Spellbound. Red Shirts and Runabouts is part of the Heroes Podcast Network and is hosted by Gregory Bosco and me, Derek Mayer. The music is by Flying Killer Robots. Please follow us at Red Shirts Pod on Twitter or at Heroes Podcasts on Facebook, Instagram, or HeroesPodcast.com. You can subscribe to our show on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and pretty much any other podcast app. If you enjoy the show, please support us. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash heroes podcasts, and we also have a coffee, ko-fi.com slash heroes podcasts. We'll catch you next time. Live long and prosper. So in the Picard trailer, there are some androids that look like they're wearing like prison garb or something like that. 
um, you know, like there's some type of labor force and that very much harkens back to like measure of a man and other mm-hmm. aspects of both TNG and Voyager with the EMH and kind of having slave labor and things like that. So it looks like they may be touching on it. Nice. 